This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. is the bonfire on the blaze radio network hey there you are i haven't seen you in a week well i haven't i've never seen you actually so never mind uh, you haven't heard me in a week there you go this is the bonfire podcast and this is andrew herzog i just want to say off the top corgis are the best I promised a friend that i'd say that just throw it out there I- i'll get into details maybe another time to explain just why the fat short Corgi is the best, but that's neither here nor there because we have an uber topic to talk about here at the top of the show. It is a documentary. I'm going to give my first documentary review on the bonfire here. And for those of you who have visited bonfirethoughts.com, you will know that my new metric, you know, rating system is using the bonfire logo, using the five logs that are at the bottom of the fire. And if there is a excellent rating, you get all five logs. If it's trash, you get one. Maybe none. I don't know. I haven't found a movie yet where I would need to do that. So whether it's one log or absolutely nothing, nothing would be kind of pointless. It'd just be an empty space there. But anywho, here's the first review of a documentary that gets five logs from the bonfire. Bonfire seal of approval. I have to say that the mo- uh, movie, the documentary... Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief is the most insane documentary I have ever seen in my life. And I've seen, you know, a good number of documentaries. I'm the type of individual who, for the past few years, if I don't feel like going out on the weekend, I'm tired, I'm sick, or I just don't feel like socializing. That happens. I'm an ambivert. I'm in the middle. I like to socialize. I also like to be alone. So when it's time to be alone... Sometimes I'll go to Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, wherever, and find me a documentary. Sometimes I'm in the mood to learn and find some interesting material. So this one from HBO, Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, was by far the most shocking documentary I have ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it. I was absolutely glued to the stupid TV, watching everything that happened. And it's an interesting story. I went over to a friend's house. Minding my business, not expecting anything. Just wanted to stop by, say hi to these family friends. And uh, I come upstairs, and they're watching this documentary. I look up at the TV, and I say, huh, that dude looks familiar. I've definitely seen him before. As I suspected, it was LRH, as they call him, also known as L. Ron Hubbard. He is a freak. He He was out of his mind, out of his damn mind. What a nut job. So anyway, my, my California connection, Nora, let's call her Nora, my California connection decided to say, hey, 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 sit down, sit down, you need to watch this. We just started this 10, 20 minutes ago, you need to watch this. And, you know, it was a weeknight, 
I wanted to stop by, say hi, and go home and go to bed, get the sleep that I needed to get ready for work. But of course, we started watching it, and I couldn't help it. I think we sat there for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and I said, whoa, there goes the time. Okay, now I really have to go home and go to bed. That is how much this just drew me in, and it's mind-boggling. It's very interesting, too, at the same time. You just watch, and you think, what is... I don't understand. (laughs) It's just, who goes along with this quote-unquote religion? And, you know, the documentary does make a point at the end that when it came to the IRS, which is the only institution in America that tries to define what a religion is so that it can be tax-exempt, that's an interesting question. You say, well, what makes a religion a religion? Why is those set of beliefs over here more legitimate to follow and believe than those over there? So it was. it is interesting to think about it. There are people who call it a religion and people who follow it religiously. So I don't know what to tell you, but it's crazy. Crazy people. So let me play you the trailer here just to give you a taste of kind of what's going on. And I will go into more details about why you should spend two hours. Yes, this is a two-hour documentary. Why you should spend two hours watching this craziness. Someone had told me there's this cult and they'll make anything possible in your life. I was deeply convinced that we were going to save the world. It was a transcendent experience. You feel euphoric. Everything you do for endless trillions of years depends on what you do within in Scientology. They sell it all in the beginning as something quite logical. You take on a matrix of thought that is not your own. It's so strong that it sticks you like glue. Very suggestible. You just don't see it happening to you. You justify so much. There is no logical explanation other than faith. Do you ever think... Mr. Hubbard, that you might be quite mad. Oh, yes. The one man in the world who never believes he's mad is a madman. Took the words right out of my mouth, Ron. So, there you have it. There's a quick one-minute trailer. I encourage everybody to go home, find it on iTunes. That's where I found it. Yes, I spent... $10, $12, because I'd kind of gotten a preview already at my friend's house and saw it and said, yeah, I need to buy that. I need to finish it. I need to watch it again to try to digest and understand some of these finer points. But here are a couple of the, you know, basic bullet points. L. Ron Hubbard. Definitely a nut job. He is crazy. He served in World War II. I think he was the captain of a PT boat. So it's not like he was a battleship or something super important. He just wasn't. He did write to the to the VA, I believe, later in a letter saying, basically, please help me. Something might be wrong with me. Maybe I need a psyche, evalu- um, psyche? evaluation, something. Um, he seemed to think that there was something wrong with him. He went to the VA for that. Some of the people in this documentary that have written books about Scientology and most of the people that are interviewed were former Scientologists. So I think it's safe to say that they know what's going on in the church. They were there. Church, quote-unquote. They, they suspected, look, L. Ron Hubbard had some issues in his life, like we all do. 
But his way to tackle those issues was to come up with a religion of his own and try to understand why we're all here. You know, what is the universe about? What is our purpose? But at the same time, he thought and figured out, hmm, I can make some money off of this. Because he was, in fact, a prolific writer. I believe he has the Guinness World Record for the most books ever written. So yeah, he liked to write. So, with such a creative imagination already, who's to blame him for thinking, hmm, let me just write up some junk and be super creative and then see if I can't sell it to the world. And there you go. Kind of exactly what happened. He developed this whole framework and scheme of here's a step one and then step, who knows, 50 on how to get to clear. Like, quote unquote, getting clear is what they call it, Scientologists. It's all about kind of freeing your mind, freeing your body from this world. And I can't, I really can't even get into details on exact de- um, specifics of this religion, the things they believe in, and the ideas. But I want to give it a shot. Apparently, there was some guy called Zenu trillions of years ago who was some kind of dictator, galactic dictator. And the universe was very much like it was in the 1960s. You know, everyone had cars, people dressed the same, you know, conducted themselves in the same way. But this dictator decided to take, put aside some of these people who, for tax evasion, and he decided to brainwash them and then freeze them, then put them in B-52 bombers, fly it to planet Earth, which was prison Earth something, drop them in volcanoes, and then when they emerged from the volcanoes, Therons? Therons? Theons? Hmm. Thetans. There it is. And circle hits the square. The- and the Thetans would come into your body. And those are basically lost souls. And so your body could be filled with hundreds or even thousands of Thetans. Body Thetans. Every new child that's born here on Earth, prison Earth. You know, one Thetan or hundreds could inhabit your body, and your whole life purpose is to get them out of your body and keep them out and then separate your mind from your body. I, holy hell, oh my gosh. (laughs) It's just insane. But if you think about it in terms of how it starts, then that's why they even have anybody in the world believe this junk. It's absolutely a moneymaker. And like the trailer said here, they frame it at the very beginning as something like, oh, this is a, this is a way of life. This is, just flick a switch in your mind. This is just to help you achieve greater goals in your world and clear your mind and feel good. And you're like, oh, okay, that sounds about right. Uh, why don't I investigate this a little more? That's how they get people through the door. And then you sit down for these sessions called auditing, and that's where they just talk to you. You're like, so tell me about your day. Things like that. Eventually, they take these you know, obscene amounts of notes about whatever the hell you've said. And eventually, next thing you know, you have files and files and files of your entire life that they can now flip through and find blackmail material if they so wish. And that's if you join the church, which they certainly pressure you to. And once you're in the church, they milk you for money over and over. And the top three locations of these churches of Scientology together are worth over a billion dollars. Billion with a B? So yeah, all over the world, Scientology is definitely... Uh, reigning in the money. So, it's definitely a moneymaker. The higher you go up on this scheme, this framework that LRH wrote out, the more you have to pay. But of course, well, you need to. You need to get all the way up here. You need to 
go beyond. You need to go clear, and you got to pay your way to get there. Huh, okay, that should be your first, you know, sign. Wait a minute. You say to save myself and to be the best, I got to pay you. That should set off some alarms. But these people get pulled in because you're approached like a normal human being, saying, hey, why don't you come in here? We're going to talk some sessions. Why don't you learn a little bit about us? And it's just it's a way of thinking. How to improve your life. Be happy. Okay. That sounds cute. That sounds nice. But once they get you in, man, they don't want you out. Talk to John Travolta. He's kind of screwed. And that's what this documentary gets into. It basically says, you know what? John Travolta, probably they have a lot of dirt on him. So he can't leave. Because if he does, the world will find out his dirty secrets. They suggest that in this documentary. Then, of course, you have Tom Cruise, the other well-known Scientologist. He is all gung-ho over this crap. He is right there side-by-side with David Miscavige. Miscavige? I don't know how to say his name. He's the dude that's running it right now. LRH, L. Ron Hubbard died, I think, back in 1986. And they still sing happy birthday to him because they're freaks. And, yeah, so David... Uh, there are reports from all these people in the documentary who are former Scientologists saying, oh, this guy's an abuser. He literally physically assaults people. And, of course, he also mentally you know, attacks people and tries to beat you down. And this is, this is ridiculous. How is this a religion? How did the IRS <laughs> cave? And it goes all into these details over the whole history of LRH and how he founded it, why he did it, the people that were initially there, the sea organization, people who floated around on boats and just did crap and... You just, you're watching this and you think, this can't be real. Are you kidding me? That happened? This is still going on? Yeah, so the obvious abuses that people who leave the church are saying, yeah, this is going on all the time. Human abuse. But you have lawyers that say, mm, Scientology is a religion. It is therefore protected by the First Amendment. So there's nothing we can do about it. So we're kind of in a pickle. Basically, stay away from it. Don't join it. Don't be crazy. But please do watch the documentary because it's interesting. It sucks you in. And to me, like I said, that's a fun night sometimes. When I'm in the mood, I don't want to talk to anybody, kind of want to be by myself. This is the kind of thing I like to find on TV. And say, oh, that sounds interesting. And then sit there, get sucked into it, and then think, wow, look at this. Look at all this information now I get to kind of go over in my mind and share with other people and give a bonfire review. So if you're looking for something a little more intellectual, not so much entertainment, then yeah, Bonfire recommends this. It's crazy. Won lots of awards. Let's see. Won Best Documentary Award from the Writers Guild of America. It won seven Emmys, including Best Documentary. And this came out in... I'm seeing two different things here. It says 2013 and 2015. So, you know, whatever. It is now available to the public. Like I said, find it online. I think it's worth the money. Just strange, mind-boggling information and stories. And you, you just sit there, and you're watching. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's over, and you go, whoa! So yes, there you have it. Not exactly a, a picker-upper. It's not a happy documentary. It's not there to make you feel all warm and bubbly. But it is important to know, and it's very interesting. So there you have it. Go watch. Going Clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, approved by the Bonner. <laughs> 
This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800 215 That's 800 215 This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Here's a really quick article I wanted to go over that I found the other day that kind of contradicted something that I wrote on Bonfire. The importance of doing nothing. That's what I wrote. And let me tell you, that is pure, cold, hard fact. You need to make the time to do nothing. Not all the time, but sometimes. Okay? It's important to do that. This article from the Daily Mail says, Stressed? Don't worry. Being busy gives you a sharper mind and a better memory. So naturally, I clicked on it and said, Well, wait a minute. Let me read some more details. I feel like that's kind of misleading. So it says, Research shows that busy people have sharper minds and better memories. Okay. Scientists say that packing more into the day increases the opportunity to learn new things, stimulating and challenging the brain. Okay, true. Then here you go. Importantly, for those worried about age-related memory loss, the study was done on men and women aged 50 plus. Okay. So you'd think, this is like, oh, you mean this is only applicable to old people. That's what they're getting at. For old people, keep busy, keep the mind active, that's better for you, you have a sharper mind. But then, of course, just like, lots of other studies, you know, it's not correlation or causation, necessarily. They said, researchers said they didn't prove that being busy is good for the brain. For instance, it may be that people whose minds are still sharp do more things. However, keeping active, active, excuse me, likely keeps the brain active. Okay. So, they said no matter what age you are, just... Stay active. Do more things. That seemingly contradicts what I said, the importance of doing nothing. Yes, do your work, work hard, but play hard. And for some people, that is to work all day, moving and chugging along, come home, and then go out. You go out to eat, go out to a concert, you go your sports league, all the above, and you do it every day. Okay. Some people have natural energy levels that are able to do that. People like me, not so much. Kind of tired at the end of the day, feeling drained. And I, and I say, excuse me, I'm going to sit at home and do nothing. Not all night, maybe just for 30 minutes, maybe an hour, whatever. And then I'm going to go to bed, make sure I get my sleep, and then wake up the next day and get back to work. You need to find what's best for you. And for me, that is what I do. I do find the time to do nothing. That allows me to clear my mind to be a vegetable, okay? My job, my day, like most people, requires a lot of mental energy. You got a lot of stuff to think through. And of course, the more intellectual jobs out there, you're going hardcore on your brain. The importance of doing nothing is to turn that off. Let your brain cool off (laughs) and take it slow for however much amount of time you need it to. So, yes, I agree from these researchers here at the University of Texas at Dallas, which is interesting that it happened right here. 
The researcher, Dr. Sarah, says, We show that people who report greater levels of daily busyness tend to have better cognition, especially with regard to memory for recently learned information. Okay, so if you keep busy, yeah, the brain's going to keep working. You'll be able to keep it fresh and active and working properly. That doesn't mean, though, do it all the time. That's called burnout. Let's keep that in mind. And I don't see that anywhere here in this article. And it does still seem to say, yeah, for older people. And that makes more sense, too. If you're older, you're retired, you certainly have less things to do. Well, certainly don't just sit around at home and watch TV. Okay? That is what you want to do when you want to be a vegetable. That's something you can do for an hour, maybe two. You know, like I just said, go watch a documentary for two hours. Okay. Once that's over, though, call it a day. And say, all right, I'm getting out of this chair. Let's go do something. Let's mix it up. Let's go turn the brain back on and not be a slob, not be a couch potato. So, again, once again, Bonfire is all about that balance. If you're stressed, find out what works for you. Go work out at the gym, go stare at the wall for 10 minutes, listen to some music, watch TV for an hour so you can veg out and not think about what the hell you're doing, or go to a concert, go out to dinner, see some friends, socialize. Stay out late. Mm. Paint your nails. I don't care. Do whatever you got to do to keep your mind active, but without burning out. There you have it. Quickly, just wanted to go over that. And now we're going to move on to a super fun topic. Up next, we're going to do a movie review. There you go. You had a documentary review before this, and you have a movie review coming up after this. And that was because a friend of mine, you know, reached out to me the other day and said, wow, You kind of lied to me, Andrew. I said, no. No, sweetie, I didn't. Let me explain. Coming up next. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. It's about the garden. It's not about me. I don't want to collect my urine. Okay, you have to explain why collecting your urine is for your garden. There's a little more to it than just... The aminals be getting in my garden, or I'm afraid they will like last year, and someone said, if you sprinkle it, you know, the way, it'll mark your territory. Someone said. That sounds like a great, reliable source. (laughs) The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. I've gotten a lot of flack for this before, because apparently there aren't very many fans of this particular director. I'm not sure why, because I feel he's actually done some pretty good work. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. That dude. Yes, that dude. The Sixth Sense, Signs, Lady in the Water, (laughs) The Happening... The Avatar, Last Bender movie, trash. And then The Village. Oh, The Village. By the way, actually, I just remembered The Bonfire also did a movie review of The Visit that came out ooh, last September. And, of course, wrote an article and gave it glowing reviews. The Visit, the latest M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, great. Go buy it, go see it, do what you gotta do. Totally worth it, if you ask me. But now... This particular one, The Village, which came out in 2004, I'll admit, when I was 14 years old and I saw the trailer, I said, that looks incredible. And I said, oh, I know that director. I know some of the work he's done before. This must be a scary movie. This is going to be great. And I love scary movies. Everybody knows that. If you're listening to me, you should know by now that I like scary movies. Okay? The majority of people in my life, though, 
do not agree. So frequently, I'm by myself watching the scary movies. Anyway, The Village is not a scary movie. A friend of mine had reached out, and she's like, uh, thanks, guys, because you didn't tell me this was a scary movie. It's not. That's why we didn't tell you that. <laughs> Jeez! Not a scary movie. There are some suspenseful moments, but overall, it is a love story. Yes. This is a romance movie. Okay? It's not a romantic comedy. It's not really funny. But it's definitely a romantic movie. Bar none. Period! End of story. Let me explain. 2004. uh, Documentary. The trailer comes out. Looks very suspenseful. Lots of dark and hidden and suspenseful music, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this looks great. You go to the theater. You're watching it. Or you could watch it now at home. And, yeah, you're definitely led to believe it's a scary movie. But as you're watching it, it absolutely becomes clear. Yeah, okay, I jumped maybe a couple times. Maybe there are a few scary concepts in this movie. But so far, I'm seeing a lot of love between these two characters back and forth. And it's definitely the theme of this movie. Here are the two protagonists... And they're circling one another, and they want to get married, and they do. Wait, do they? No, they don't. Not yet. Mm, Sorry. (laughs) Spoilers! But let's face it, it's 12 years old. If you haven't seen it yet, you don't deserve to not hear the spoilers. Anyway, Ivy Walker and Lucius Hunt. Those are the two main characters, and they're the ones that are in love. So yes, this is a love story. The music, you know, the score, the soundtrack is fantastic. I love it. I like the plot. I think it's a good pacing, and that's very important to me, pacing. There are all these movies. I can't, of course, name them off the top of my head right now, but you have to know this as well. You're watching a movie, and all of a sudden it just advances, and you're like, whoa, um, okay. It seemed kind of abrupt. I don't know how the characters got to that point. That came out of nowhere, but I guess the producers and directors thought, okay, good enough, let's just move on. There are definitely movies that do that. They move too quickly. Or they move so slow, so god-awfully slow. This has a good pace, The Village. The introduction, meeting some of the characters, advancing the plot on what you think is the plot, and then something else happens, and you say, oh, okay, now I think I know what's going on. And then something else happens, and you're like, whoa, I'm kind of confused. But that's why I like M. Night Shyamalan's movies, because you kind of have to watch them again later. So he pulls you back in. And when you do, you do find things that you missed, then it starts to click even more, and then you say, okay, now I understand. Now I'm feeling good. Uh, What's his name? Christopher Nolan does the same thing. He'll do that with The Prestige, uh, Inception, of course. Uh, Inception, a difficult movie sometimes to comprehend. But that's why you want to go back and watch them again. They never get old. You say, I always, I either find something new, or it reinforces what I already knew, and now I know the story even better, or you just appreciate it for its... Artistic merit. Do you think that was just a good movie? I had fun for an hour and 45 minutes watching that. Good music, good actors, an original plot, something I'm always going off on. Hollywood either doing all these sequels and just trash and lazy, but then when you see something original, you know it. You can see it. And you think, there it is. Come on, let's get more of that. The Village is definitely an original uh, piece of writing. It's a good movie. And uh, so, yeah, I was watching it again, I don't know, maybe a week ago with my roommate. 
we're sitting at home. We're like, what are we going to watch? And he says, Little Village. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Popped it on, watched it, enjoyed it, loved the music, the acting, the plot. It's a, it's a deep movie, I think. Some of the moral questions, issues, and battles that the characters go through. You know, it's not just a cheap form of entertainment. I think M. Night Shyamalan did a good job with the script and the plot, trying to tell the story and using it in an entertainment form. He could have just written an essay on this kind of stuff, but he doesn't do that. He makes movies. That's what's so great about them. Some of these directors out there really know what they're doing. They say, here's an issue I want to tackle and talk about and get the public discussing and thinking about. Well, let's just put it into a movie, nice little package, so people can actually bear it. It's a good idea. So The Village also gets the bonfire seal of approval. And you know what? Yes, it gets all five logs. Done and done. Because it is a great movie. And yeah. It's hard to explain. I am not going to give too many spoilers. I mean, I already mentioned one. Lucius Hunt. Ivy Walker. They want to get married. But they don't because (gasps) something happens. But it's something that happens and you watch it and you say, this isn't scary. Look what she's doing. That is heartfelt. That is real. That is genuine. That's not scary. There's a couple moments, yes, that make you jump or make you say, oh my goodness. That's about it. Okay. (laughs) I'm not trying to direct this segment to my friend and put her in her place. I'm not trying to do that. No, no, no. Just trying to explain the reality of the situation. Not a scary movie. That also reminds me now, I did write an article on Bonfire about why I love scary movies, and I defined what they were. What makes a scary movie a scary movie? You know, horror is different. When I say a horror movie, that's the kind of stuff like Saw, where you're like, hey, let's watch some people saw off their arms, bleed each other, gut each other, and let's just watch all the blood and gore, because it's fun. No, that's not fun. That's gross. That's disgusting, that's disturbing, and that's stupid. That is not entertainment. That's just screwed up. When I say scary movie, mostly yes, I mean suspenseful movies. Movies that put you on the edge of your seat, you don't know what's going on, you're confused and you're scared because your imagination is running wild. That's what scares me, is my imagination. Not actually watching something on screen. Once I see it on screen, I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. I'm confronted with it. But if it's a shadow, you're hinting toward things, I never really see anything, I hear things, then my mind gets rolling. And my imagination just runs off. And it takes me with it, dragging me along in the dirt, scaring me. So that's why I like scary movies is because my imagination does go crazy during the movie. But when the movie's over, I'm usually pretty calm because it's over. I'm like, okay, it was resolved. I know what happened now. I can easily go right back to sleep. I don't know. Maybe it's a gift. The few people that I know that have said, oh, yeah, I'll watch a scary movie here and there. But I don't do it very often because, oh, it's, it's, I, I can't even fall asleep and it's always with me. I'm always going over it again and again and I'm so scared later. Me, I don't know. I've had one instance of that where I was actually terrified. But it was only on the night of the day that I watched it and then I moved on and haven't really thought about it since. So maybe I'm just stupid and these things just don't stick with me or it's a gift and I'm able to shrug it off and understand it's a movie. It's fake. It's for fun. You get your kicks for an hour, hour and a half, and then move on. It gets the blood pumping. That's why I like it. 
And the village, it gets your blood pumping in a, not in a scary way, but in, in a heartfelt way. Seriously, it's a movie that I think was just written very well. The script, the screenplay, the words, the grammar, also very important to me, I think is just great. So, good issues. It's emotional. It's an emotional movie. Absolutely. So there you have it. Let's, let's, let's classify it as that. The Village is a bonfire-approved, romantic, emotional movie. It is not a scary movie. Done and done. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. He's a pastor who made a hate crime or a hate or a, whatever, a bias hoax, an anti-gay hoax. You know, if if anti-gay sentiment was so wide, if real hatred of gay people was so widespread in this country, you would think that there wouldn't, nobody would have to make up these hoaxes to get media attention for the issue. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, here is my last soapbox of the night. Australian Olympians will get Zika-proof condoms. Hmm. That is the state of our world. As many of you know, the Summer Olympics are coming up in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. They are scheduled to be held in August, August 5th through the 21st. So that is about two weeks, a little more than two weeks. Australians, the Australian Olympic team, will be given a new way to fight the Zika virus, which I've talked about before. Their way to fight it is with a condom. Okay. You do realize condoms don't work on a mosquito. That's mostly the problem. The mosquito is the one carrying it. So when you're bit, and the problem is if it's a girl, because then the girl has it, then if she gets pregnant, then the child will have problems. That seems to be pretty well established. So the problem is, problem is mostly the mosquitoes. And it's South America. Yeah, they got mosquitoes down there. And also Rio de Janeiro is really gross. Brazil is really not that clean. So for you to have an Olympic game ceremony in Brazil, that's your first mistake. Sorry. Your second mistake is to Honestly, uh, continue with it, with this knowledge. Saying Zika, you know, it's not a world-ending problem, but it ain't good. Going forward with the Olympics and saying, eh, whatever. And then these half-assed attempts by the Australians saying, oh, hey, just give them condoms. (laughs) That'll work. There's so much wrong with that. The mosquitoes are the problem, okay? Not your going to the hotel room after you've run the... uh, you know, your laps in the swimming pool and boning someone, okay? It is a well-established fact that that's what people do at the Olympics, you know? It's all these young people, obviously they're all fit, physically fit, going there to compete for their sport, their game. And in their downtime, they, they, like, they like to get it on. They like to get a little something-something on the side. You would think... That if you spent years of your life 
training for these games so that you could bring the gold medal home to your country. That maybe if you were able to focus that long already just to train to have the chance to compete, and then if you get picked, and then go, and then you have the gold medal in your hand. You think that would be enough to kind of keep you occupied, you know, focused, and concerned? But no. When you've done your competition for the day, you're like, I'm going to go home, get a snack, get some booty, go to sleep. (laughs) That's the problem in the first place, okay? Come on, seriously. You can't go two weeks. In today's world where everybody's getting laid, you seriously can't go two weeks when you're, go, when you're going there for the Olympic Games. If you're not going there for the Games, you're going there to get laid, you're doing it wrong. Okay? <laughs> what are you doing? I think the bigger problem here is, in this particular case, is now Zika is the problem. If the Games were in Germany or Russia, like last year, not last year, last time, Sochi, uh, there aren't really a lot of mosquitoes in those parts of the world where it's a little bit colder. At least Zika is not there, not because people brought it, but because there aren't mosquitoes there who have it. Having sex there is one thing, but then to go to the country where it's plentiful and to say, I'm still going to have sex, chances are, you know, I'll use all the bug spray I possibly can, but worst case scenario, I get it, I have sex, I give it to the girl, the girl now has it, and now whenever she has a kid one day, that child might be screwed. How god-awfully selfish are we when that kind of stuff happens? An article I found the other day for the show that I produce here at The Blaze, there was an article about a sex roulette party. What is the point of that? The point is someone shows up to the party HIV positive, and the fun part is you get to sleep around and you don't know who has it. Holy hell. You get those kinds of parties. Parties. Orgies where someone has a degenerative disease, you don't know who, and that turns you on, and you think, yeah, I'm going to go do that. Those are the people who don't give a freak about their body, who are willing to risk contracting it, and then once they have it, they're going to keep doing their thing. They're going to keep sleeping around, so they're just going to keep on passing it on to more and more people. That is fatalistic. That is people who say, I don't care about you. I just want to get laid. Jeez. So here at the Olympics, for two weeks, you really can't focus on your sport, and that's it? Come on. Sure, you have a lot of attractive people around you, but you don't think that maybe the Zika virus would be able to push you over the edge to say, you know what? Two years ago, I got laid. Four years ago, I got some good stuff. But this year, I think I'll sit it out. Kind of concerned about the Zika thing. I don't really want to bring it back home to my country. I'm married. I have a girlfriend. I don't want to give it to her. But no, don't worry, Australia. We'll give you condoms, and then you'll be fine. Because they're lubricated to help with the virus? I don't know. Whatever. Total trash. We're screwed. Not literally. Metaphorically. You get people like this. Creating these condoms to say, hey, no, no, you can still have sex. Oh, Lord, we want you to have sex. Just put on these bad boys, and you'll be fine. Screw Zika, screw HIV+, plus, plus, positive, whatever. 
Just go out and get laid. That's what it's all about. That is the world we live in. Instead of going to the Olympics to compete in the games, you're actually going to get laid. The Olympic orgies. And then the sex roulette parties. Thinking it's fun to gamble with your health. And more importantly, everybody else's health. Okay. The safest way to avoid that Zika, yes, is the bug spray. Or you just don't go and or don't get laid. Just stop. (laughs) Jeez, keep it in your pants until maybe we have a hold on the Zika virus. We kind of know what's going on and we can figure out a way to eradicate it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. Who knows? Anyway, thank you, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in this week to the Bonfire Podcast, where we got to talk about Scientology, stress, the village, and Zika sex. That's what I've decided to call it, Zika sex. Very uh, wide-ranging you know, topics this week, and please find us, be sure to find us, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Bonfire Productions, and the main website, bonfirethoughts.com. I hope to have, by the way, some good news in the next couple weeks or so regarding more bonfire initiatives and it's gonna be great i'm excited you know you got to keep plugging along i am itching to deliver more written content verbal you know the podcasts as usual and officially video content and i've been i know i've been saying that for months but believe me it takes longer than you expect especially when you have a day job other responsibilities and it's also called live you got family you got friends okay but i can say some videos will start making their appearance within a month. That is kind of a long time, kind of a broad window. That's about the best I can do, though. So please hang in there. Rest assured, wait for those videos, and I will be sharing them on the Facebook page, hopefully Twitter, if I can figure out <laughs> the technology, which I'm sure I can. Maybe Instagram. Actually, probably not. That's only about 30 seconds. So never mind. I'm rambling. I'm going to call it a day. Andrew Herzog, out. The Bonfire. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.